Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome again to Bayview Glen Church. My name is Lucas. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to see you this morning. Uh, band, worship team, thank you guys for leading us in worship. Winnie, uh, thanks for letting us celebrate with you this morning. That was awesome. Uh, Winnie's going to get baptized again next week because that was so fun. So um, that's not true. That's not true. Just thanks for sharing your story with us and letting us celebrate with you as your church family this morning. Uh, I don't know if this is the right word. Proud of you. Celebrate with you. That's awesome. God's great. I don't know, something, something. Um, Listen, I've told you this before, but there are a couple of really surefire ways to grow your church. Uh, You can preach about sex, uh, you can preach about the end times, or you can preach about will there be sex in the end times. Those are three surefire ways to grow your church. And one of the surefire ways to shrink your church is to talk about money. And uh, we have a parking problem, so I'm going to talk about money this morning. Just hope that we, no, that's... I am going to talk about money this morning, but that's not why. Our culture talks a lot about money. I don't know if you've noticed. Politicians are enamored with balanced budget, subsidies, spending, and taxes. Corporations are ever concerned with opportunities to cut costs, increase bottom line, and monetize new technologies. And a number of professions, some of you are members of these professions, are uh, involved in perpetual conversations about making billable hours. Hollywood has released films like Brewster's Millions, The Money Pit, The Color of Money, and Other People's Money. In pop music, ACDC sings, come on, come on, listen to the money talk. Pink Floyd sings, money, it's a gas. No Pink Floyd fans, apparently. (laughs) Tevier from Fiddler on the Roof, the protagonist in Fiddler on the Roof, daydreamed about what it would be like if he were a rich man. That's right, and Gwen Stefani even sampled those lyrics 40 years later. One of my favorite university jams. If you want to go and take a ride with me, three-wheeling and the foe with the gold Ds. Oh, why do I live this way? Hey, must be the money. No Nelly fans, apparently, either. I'm just (laughs) out in the cold on that one. Nearly everyone in our culture is allowed to, encouraged to, and even applauded for talking about money. Everyone, that is, except for pastors. (laughs) The minute a pastor gets up on stage and talks about money, he or she is accused of being a money-grubbing mercenary, hence the title of today's sermon, Taboo. I understand, and I guess it makes sense, that money is kind of a taboo topic in church because there are countless so-called pastors out there that have co-opted Jesus' teachings about money for personal gain or to buy a new jet or whatever the case may be. So I understand. I understand why we would be reluctant to talk about money uh, given the way that Jesus' statements about money have been abused and twisted. The man who said, whoever wants to save his life must lose it. The man who said, birds of the air have a nest to go to, but I've got no place to lay my head. The man who said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. His teaching about money, when it's hijacked for personal gain, we should, at the very least, count it a little bit odd. And for folks like me, it makes me sick. Because it's so radically anti-biblical. However, however, if we throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and, and we say, okay, cartoon preachers have warped Jesus' teachings on money beyond recognition, so we're not going to talk about money at all. We do ourselves a disservice because we ignore a good deal of what Jesus has to say in terms of his exhortations for us. Because there's one person that ever walked this planet that talks about money more than our culture talks about money, and that's Jesus himself. Did you know that? Jesus talks about money more than any other topic except for the kingdom of God. 
One in seven verses in the book of Luke is about money. Nearly a third of Jesus' parables are about money. Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. So you and I, if you you and I are Christ followers, and I am, many of you here are, not everybody, I get that, but many of you are, and you want to take the teachings of Jesus seriously, we can't just cherry pick and and do the ones that we want to do. We have to take them all seriously. We have to understand everything that he says. We can't just ignore these teachings about money. So today I want to talk to you about money, but I don't want to talk to you about money the way our culture talks about it. I don't want to talk to you about money the way the pseudo pastor cartoon TV personalities with really crazy hair. I don't even know how they do that with their hair. I don't want to talk to them about, talk to you about money the way they talk about money. I want to talk to you about money the way that the Bible talks about money. I hope that's okay with you. And before we go any further, I want you to know exactly where we're headed today. So there's no like bait and switch. You don't feel like we got the end of the sermon today and you're like, I had no idea he was going there. This is where I'm going, okay? Here it is. It's up here on the screen. I want to invite you today to make giving, financial giving, a regular part of your worship. I want to invite you to make giving a regular part of your worship. And for those of you who call this place home, that you've kind of put roots down here, even ministry partners that have made a formal commitment here or adherence here, it will mean giving here, making giving a regular part of your worship here. For those of you who attend other churches in the GTA or Canada, or even those of you who are from whatever that country is south of us, I forget, what's it called? The big one. Uh, whatever. The, pro- the point is, we've got people from all churches all over the place that come and they're visiting here or whatever. And I would, would encourage you, if you haven't already, to make giving a regular part of your worship experience there, to worship Jesus through giving. But, but, and this is, we have to be clear, if you're new here, if you don't have a church home, if you're just checking Jesus out, I want you to know we expect nothing from you. Absolutely nothing. Listen so close. I am not asking for your money. God is not asking for your money. In Acts chapter 17, verse 25, uh, the, the word says this about God. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Get this. He's God. He's pretty well off. Okay? He doesn't need your money. So for those of you who are new, as you listen today, I would love it if you walked away with a little bitter, better understanding, a little bigger picture of how the Bible talks about money. I would even love it if you walked away and said, wow, that church manages its finances with transparency and integrity. But let's be very clear. If you're new with us, we want nothing from you. You, you, you got that? You understand that? Nothing from you. But if you do call this place home, today I just want to invite you to make giving a regular part of your worship here at Bayview Glen Church, if you haven't already. And what I want us to see today is that God graciously invites us to be free from money's suffocating grip and experience freedom and joy when we give to and invest in his eternal kingdom. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at three very basic biblical principles about money. Then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how this church manages God's resources in order to expand God's kingdom. And then we're going to conclude by offering three quick points of application to help you make giving a part of your regular worship experience. And from the outset here, just from the very beginning, from the jump, I have a desire, almost a sense of obligation to be very clear about my heart today. And my 
heart today, I think, is found in Philippians chapter 4 as Paul addresses the Philippian church. As he closes his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul begins to encourage them in the same way that I'm going to encourage you today to make giving a regular part of their worship. He writes this in Philippians 4. He says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. He's talking about money here, okay? He's talking about giving. He says, no church entered into that partnership with me except you only. So you you gave. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Now, here's my heart for you today. Verse 17, it's up here on the screen. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you, Church of Philippi, have given to gospel ministry before, and I'm inviting you to continue to do that. But I'm not looking for a gift. I'm looking for what might be credited to your heavenly account. I'm inviting you, just as Jesus invited you in Matthew chapter 6, to invest in things eternal, to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So here's what that means for us today. This, this, I want this to be so crystal clear for us today. I am not looking for a gift. Even if I was, does everyone understand like our finances don't work that way here at Baby Glen Church? Like if our giving goes up, like I don't get a cut. Does everybody get that? Like I got no pig in that market. Does you understand that? That's not how things work around here. So listen, if you receive this encouragement today and then act on this encouragement today to make giving a regular part of your worship, there is nothing in it for me. Zero, zilch, zip, nada, nothing. But I love you. You are my church. I am glad. It's kind of a joy to serve as your pastor here. This is my community of faith. We adopted our daughter here. Amy and I, our ministry partners here, we love this church. And because I love you so much, I'm out for your joy. I'm here for your joy. I'm here to help you experience more and more joy in Jesus. And because I'm here for your joy, I, like Paul, want to invite you to worship through giving because it's biblical. And just like any other way that we worship, it brings joy and freedom. Please know that's what I'm talking to you about today. This is my heart for you today, joy and freedom. Got it? Okay, three biblical principles on money. Three, ready? Here we go. Here's principle number one. This is a fun one. Your money doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. Love that. Your money doesn't belong to you. That that phrase, your money, is even a misnomer. It doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures just so we're all aware what the Bible has to say. Haggai 2, verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. That includes the loony and the toonie. Leviticus 25, 23, God is speaking here. He says, the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. Last week, we covered Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 4. Then there's verses 5 and 6. Then Psalm 24, verse 1, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and say it with me, everything in it. The world and all who live in it. It's funny. We're all excited about God being our shepherd, and then we get to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything. Really? My money, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, in the original language, that's, that's, that's everything still, okay? 
everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Over and over again throughout the entire scripture, God reminds us that he is the creator and therefore owner of all that is. So your money does not belong to you. It belongs to God. So here's the deal. If God owns it all, and he does, and if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and it is, then what is my relationship to the resources that God has entrusted to me? If God is the owner, then I'm the what? I'm the manager. My time, my talents, my skills, my experience, my relationships, yes, even my money, they're not mine, they're God's, and I'm here to manage them towards his purposes. Let me ask you this. What if your financial planner started to talk about your money and kept using the word mine to talk about your money? What would you say to your financial planner? Whoa, 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 slick. (laughs) Not yours, mine. Mine, you're a manager, that's my money. This is what God says to us, except he doesn't call us slick. He says, okay, it's mine, the earth is the Lord's, it's mine, you are a manager. I have entrusted it to you for your joy and to move my purposes forward in the world. But you're a manager, you're a steward, it's not yours, you're not the owner, it belongs to me. Principle number two, sacrificial giving is an act of worship. Sacrificial giving is an act of worship. I'm gonna give you a couple of quick examples from the scripture and we're gonna talk about why this changes the way that we think about financial giving. Uh, Abel in Genesis 4, Moses in Genesis 14, Jacob in Genesis 28, it's commanded of God's people in Numbers 18, Deuteronomy 14, Leviticus 27, among others. God's people gave as an act of worship in order to build a place for worship in Exodus 36. And look at this, this is awesome. God's people give as an act of worship in order to build a place of worship in Exodus 36, and they gave so much that Moses literally had to stand up in front of everybody and go, okay, stop stop bringing stuff like we have enough we have too much that we we have so much we don't even know what to do with it we have stuff left over so stop bringing stop giving wouldn't that be great if that happened here by the way i think moses himself would actually show up if that happened and say stop giving because Anyway, that's beside the point. For the church, look at it. It's up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes this. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, we're talking about financial giving now. Everybody see it? As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. There's the command. You also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Why the first day of the week? Why the first day of the week? It's because Sunday, the Lord's Day, when Jesus rose from the dead, is the day that the church has been gathering to worship Jesus for almost 2,000 years now. So Paul says, when you do the collection for the saints, do it on the day of worship. Why? Because giving is not a tip. It's not, wow, I really like that sermon. Wow, Kurt, that was a great job. Or, hey, he did an extra hymn today. It's not a tip. It's an act of worship. And I'm telling you, when you get your head around this principle, it will radically change the way you give. Listen, no other worship that you and I give God is done out of compulsion or obligation. We don't sing because we're obligated. We don't take communion because we're obligated. We don't pray because it's a chore. We worship in all of those ways out of joy and gladness for what God has done. Same thing with giving. Since it's an act of worship, we give out of joy and gratitude rather than obligation or compulsion. I have a friend that 
worked for a financial stewardship ministry for a long time, helped Christians invest and make good decisions in their financial life. And he always used to give me a hard time when I was a worship leader. I used to do what Kurt does. And he'd give me a hard time uh, when I was a worship leader. He'd say, stop playing songs in minor keys that are like really slow during the offering. It's like everything you play sounds like the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald during the offering time. Okay, stop. Stop that stuff. I want something with some pop. I want something that I can dance to. Not, he was Baptist, all right? He's not dancing in church, all right? So he said, I want something with some energy. Why? Because giving for me is an act of worship. I'm here to do so joyfully and cheerfully. So speed up the tempo a bit, would you? This is fun to give to God. Thanks for playing a peppy song, band during an offering this morning, by the way. It will change the way you understand giving if you understand that it's an act of worship. Number three, giving both reveals, ouch, ouch, and changes what you value. Giving, like, 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 like almost nothing else, both reveals and changes what you value. In, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus begins to talk about things that we invest in here on this earth that are going to rust and break. He says, look, they're not gonna last forever. You can't take them with you. And in the middle of that conversation, Jesus says this to the crowds. He says this. Uh, he says this up there. There you go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying two things here. First, he's saying this. If you want to know, if you really want to know, and most of us don't, by the way, but if you really want to know where your heart is, if you want to know what you really love, if you want to know what you really value, look at your bank statement, track your purchases. That will reveal what you value. You might find that you value your kids. You might find that you value your retirement. You might find that you value God's purposes. You might find that you value entertainment. But track your bank statement. Track your purchases. It will reveal what you value. Nothing highlights the posture of your heart quite like how you manage God's money. Second, Jesus is saying this. If you relocate your treasure, if you change your spending habits, that will change what you value. Where you place your treasure, your heart will follow. So if you change where your treasure is directed, that will change your heart as well. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine uh, and, uh, that I used to work with in Scottsdale had a really, really old car, and it was like the worst car ever. It's like a 1963 Chevy Malibu, and not like the sweet kind, like the super rusted out kind. It rarely started. It, it, the air conditioning didn't work. It was horrible. And in 50 degrees in Phoenix, when the air conditioning doesn't work, it smelled awful. I mean, it was the worst. It was the worst car ever. But he loved that thing, even though no one else did. You want to know why? Because he spent so much money keeping it alive. And the more he invested in that stupid car, the more he loved it. When Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, he's saying that this principle works with us too. And the great thing is that what we have the opportunity to invest in is not a smelly old car. What we have the opportunity to invest in is God's eternal kingdom that will last forever. So if you want to value eternal things more, invest in eternal things more. If you want to love God's kingdom more, Change your spending habits. If you want to love God's church, if you want to love missions, if you want to love people more, shift where your treasure is. Give financially for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. It will change what you value. 
Okay, so those are three principles, okay? That your money's not yours, it's God's, number one. Giving is an act of worship, number two, and that giving reveals and changes what you value. So now that we've established those principles, I want to talk to you just very briefly about how Bayview Glen Church works hard to maximize God's resources that you and I give together to maximize God's purposes and to further his purposes in the greater Toronto area and around the earth. So for those of you who already give here, uh, or for those who might choose even to begin that habit of, of worship today, I want you to be confident that when you give here, those gifts are going towards eternal purposes and they're being managed with transparency and integrity. And I'm just gonna tell you, I did this in the first service, the next 10 to 12 minutes of my sermon is gonna be super boring. So everybody just kinda of shake it out a little bit here, okay? Shake it out, you gotta stick with me because it's really boring, but I'm telling you it's critical for understanding how Baby Glen Church manages uh, God's resources. We don't sell products or services. Everybody's, everybody gets that, right? We rely upon the free will offering of our congregation. No one is obligated to give here. We even use that language. You've probably heard that language before. We don't take an offering. We just receive what you've prepared in advance to give, and we receive what you've planned to give as an act of worship. So that free will offering supports our budget, and it covers facility. It covers staff. It covers ministry costs for things like ESL, Awana, worship, children's, community outreach, so many other things. And I want you to know how those costs are determined in kind of broad strokes just to understand kind of how that budget gets determined. So in May of each year, our staff, our finance committee that's made up of two elders, one congregant, our executive pastor, and our fearless bookkeeper, and our entire elder board work together to determine a budget for the coming fiscal year. We do our best to forecast ministry needs, and then we manage God's resources to the best of our ability. That budget is then reviewed and affirmed by the entire board of elders. It's 12 uh, guys that this congregation has elected, and they're on, uh, they're, they're on a rotation. So once the board affirms that budget, we present it to the ministry partners at our annual general meeting in September. And our ministry partners have the opportunity to ask questions, they have the opportunity to raise concerns, and then they have the opportunity to vote to affirm the budget. We do not act on that budget until our ministry partners, those who have made a formal commitment to this church, we don't act on that budget until they voted to affirm it and approve it. And then at the end of every year, the elders report back to the ministry partners to let them know how we did the previous year. We even have an outside company that comes in and does a comprehensive audit of our, of our financial situation. It takes about a week to make sure that we're above reproach in any and every way. Now, I tell you all this so that you know this. There are checks and balances in place to ensure that we have done everything we can in order to manage God's money well. No one person gets to make these calls. Does that, does that make sense? No one person gets to make these calls in their office or in their home or whatever. It's something that we all do together and then we give towards it together. So, so that being said, that's how it's formulated. I want you to see kind of what's been happening in our church for the last four year, or three or four years or so in terms of uh, four particular areas. Attendance, budget, 
actual expenditures and giving. So, so look up here on the screen. In 2013-2014, our average Sunday attendance was about 708 adults. That's adults on Sunday morning. That doesn't count children or anything. So in 2014-2015, we were up to 798. That's about a 12% increase. About 90 more people here on any given Sunday morning in the 2014-2015 fiscal year. It runs from J July 1 to June 30th. I've had people tell me before, Lucas, you're only concerned about numbers. Lucas, you're only concerned about numbers. Well, of course I am. You know why? Because that's 90 more people get to hear about Jesus. There's 90 more people to get to hear about his saving grace. 90 more people to get to experience healing in their marriage and their emotional situation and their spiritual situation. It represents 90 eternal destinations. And that's pretty cool. We give glory to God for the way he's blessing our church and for the way that we're growing. Currently, this fiscal year, we're on a growth trajectory again, but that's not what we're out to do. We're not out to have a big church or whatever. We just let God do what he wants to do. That's his deal. We're on a growth trajectory again, but we don't know. We leave it up to him. Now, in, in terms of budget, in 2013, 2014, we ran a $2.1 million budget, and as our church increased in numbers, we ran a $2.3 million budget in 2014, 2015. So now, we're on a growth trajectory. We have more and more people here on any given Sunday morning, so as our church grows, what would you expect our budget to do? Come on, it's not complicated. As our church grows, what would you expect our budget to do? It didn't, actually. We decreased our budget in 2015-2016 to about $2.1 million, $2,191,695. It's down 4.7%. We did this for two reasons. One is because giving did not match budget in 2014-2015. We'll talk about that in a minute. Two is because we're not here just to increase our budget every year. We're here to manage God's resources well, and so if we don't need it, we're not going to budget for it. Now, I think this is pretty cool. This is just me. I think this is pretty cool. You and I are part of a growing church that's managing God's resources as well and decreasing our budget. I think that's pretty cool. Maybe that's just me. All right. In 2014, 2015, so, sorry, in 2000, uh, let's talk about expenditures. Let's talk about expenditures. Um, in 2013, 2014, uh, we spent, sorry, where are we at here? Uh, we budgeted 2.1 million. We actually spent 1,986,000. In 2014, 2015, we actually spent 1,971,000. In uh, 2015, 2016, we're proposing that we would spend $2,191,695. I want you to be really clear here. I told you this was going to be boring, didn't I? Didn't I warn you? Okay, stick with me. So we're proposing that giving matches, or that budget and expenditures match this year at 2.1 million, give or take. That's up about 220,000 from the year before. It's up about 11%. So listen, if expenditures go up, what else has to go up? Giving, right? Giving. So listen, let's track giving for the last couple years. I want you to understand. In 2013, 2014, our church gave about 1,926,000. So some of you are like amateur accountants, and that's great. Look up there on the screen. We spent 1,985,000, and we gave 1,926,000. How's that work? Because we have additional revenue streams, we have additional income streams that make up that gap. For example, there's a cell phone tower on the front of our property that someone pays us to have here. They literally came to us and said, uh, we would like to pay you to put a tower on your property and you can put a cross on it really, really big. And we said, okay, so wait a minute, so wait a minute, let's get this clear. We can lift the cross of Jesus Christ really high above the greater Toronto area, and you're going to pay us for that? 
<laughs> Joke's on you. We would have done that for free. Okay, so <laughs> stuff like that helped to make up where that gap is at. In 2014, 2015, our giving went up. It's up to about 2 million, give or take. It's up there on the screen. It's up to uh, up about 158,000 or 8.8%, 2,087,481. Now, we came short of budget but we had a surplus in terms of what we actually spent. So in 2015, 2016, we're proposing that giving meets budget. So that would mean that our giving would go from 2,087,481, which it was last fiscal year, to 2,191,695. That's up 72,000 or about 3.5%. Now, the boring part's over. That's it. At least I hope so, okay? I literally, I'm working on this sermon last night and I'm putting, I'm putting um, my PowerPoint together. I work on it throughout the week, putting my PowerPoint together. And I'm thinking to myself, I am going to show an Excel spreadsheet tomorrow morning at our church. <laughs> like even I am bored with this. This is, okay, so here's, here's what I want you to know. Here's why I did all that. Here's why I went through, jumped through all those hoops. You ready? Here, here they are. One, we're a growing church. Did you see that? We're a growing church. Praise God. Amen? We're a growing church. Yeah. And we have growing needs in terms of staff, facility, and ministry programs. That's number one. Number two, we work very, very hard to be transparent with our budget. We're not holding, we're not closing this off. No one can see it. In fact, you can see a detailed report if you come to annual general meeting in September. We just pass it out to everybody. We want to be transparent with our budget. We want to manage God's resources with integrity. Hence the reason I just put it up here on the screen for everybody to see. Number three, we have a firm commitment to manage God's resources in order to make a difference for God's kingdom in the greater Toronto area. Listen, I want to kick a dent for Jesus in the greater Toronto area, don't you? That's what we're after. We're not having a hip church, having a cool church. We want people to meet Jesus, know him and follow him and experience his grace in their daily life. That's all we're here to do. And your generous giving is making that happen. Listen, just listen to what's been happening over the last six months at our church. Three weeks ago, we had 10 people on a Sunday morning say yes to Jesus for the very first time and accept his message of grace, accept his invitation of grace. We gave those people a free booklet that we wrote, by the way, one of our staff members wrote, to track them through their first seven weeks as a Christian as they learn to follow Jesus and say yes to him on a daily basis. ESL, English as a Second Language, and Awana are bigger than they've ever been. They're running out of space. We had more children in our Bayview Kids summer experience than we could actually handle, by the way. Don't tell the fire marshal. We had more people at our Canada Day event than we've ever had before, and the majority, the vast majority of them didn't attend Bayview Glen Church and didn't know Jesus personally. Our Sunday attendance continues to grow, and we desire to launch another service, by the way, in order to accommodate that growth. Our children's ministry is growing weekly. We've literally, since October 1, we've got 30 more kids back there than we had. And uh, Sorry. I'll say that again. Since the Man, what just happened there? Like my brain, you ever have that when your brain just clicks off? You ever have that happen when you're in front of 650 people talking? Do you ever have that happen? That's tough. All right. October 1 to now, 30 more kids. You got it. It's beside the point. The point is, 
We're making a difference, investing in the next generation. In fact, we need 10 to 15 more volunteers. You can step forward and serve the next generation of God's church. Visit one of those tables out in the foyer, this foyer or up in the foyer after the service today. In the future, we're looking to launch live sermon translations. Can you believe that? Into Mandarin, Cantonese, and Farsi on Sunday morning so people can hear the gospel in their own language. We desire to grow our staff so we can better serve our congregation and community. We continue to partner with local organizations organizations to make sure the poor and under-resourced in our community are cared for. We continue to seek new ways to help people meet Jesus and find belonging here. And your gifts go to fund all of that and more. They support missionaries like Mike and Marianne Bodding, who were here in the first service, like Len and Mary Reed, who you met today, Kevin and Grace Chan and their family, Sharif and Mary Luhana serving in North Africa. Your gifts go to support the poor in our community. Your gifts go to support Bayview Glen Church missions and ministries and outreach in our community. And again, listen 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 I'm not looking for a gift it doesn't matter to me like I don't get anything from this I'm here for your joy I'm inviting you to partner with Jesus and what he's doing in the greater Toronto area and make giving a regular part of your worship all right so let's close here and we're gonna I just want to offer three points of practical application we'll go through these quick three points of practical application as you make giving a regular part of your worship and they all come from Paul's exhortation to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's up here on the screen. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says this. He says, each one must give. Here we are. Okay, here we are talking about giving. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart or as she has decided in her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Practical application to make giving a regular part of your worship. Number one, giving is planned. Giving is planned. It's not haphazard. We don't decide at the last minute and kind of fish around in our pockets for what we've got on hand here to give to what God is doing here at Bayview Glen Church or even the other missions and ministries that we support. It's not haphazard. It's planned. We purpose what we're going to give beforehand. So for me and Amy, I'll just tell you that one choice we have made as a couple that's been extremely helpful for us is that when it comes to responding to Paul's exhortation here to plan your giving, we automate just about all of the giving we do, including the giving we do here at Bayview Glen. We don't automate all of it, but we automate a really large portion of it, uh, partially because I'm so absent-minded, I just forgot what I was saying in the middle of the sermon. So I would forget, right? I would, I mean, clearly I would forget. But it's not just about that. It's not just about being absent-minded. It's about having an opportunity for us, Amy and I, to plan and purpose in our hearts, prayerfully consider where, when, and how much God would have us give rather than just doing so arbitrarily. So as Paul would say, we purpose in our heart beforehand so that we can be strategic and planned givers because giving is planned. Oh, you want to know how much we give? You want to know how much Amy and I give? It's none of your business, okay? Because <laughs> giving is personal. Giving is personal. I saw my wife just had a, almost hyperventilated. That was great. Um, I'm doing that again next week. All right, so giving is personal. So Paul says, you purpose, each one must purpose in their heart beforehand. I don't want to know. In fact, I don't even, I have no idea how, what people give here. I know, I know what two people give here. That's me and Amy. That's it. That's it. Because we give together. So I don't want to know. I don't care. But I'm here for your joy. 
And so do this, uh, engage in giving through worship and make it planned and make it personal. Why? Because giving is between you and God. It's purposed in your heart beforehand. It's an act of worship. It's not meant to be broadcasted. It's personal. Finally, Paul tells us that giving is joyful. Giving is planned, giving is personal, and giving is joyful. We're not to give reluctantly or out of compulsion, but cheerfully, joyfully. Now, does that mean that God doesn't love you if you don't give? Well, of course not. Of course not. That's not what that means. God loves you. He has grace for you. Again, he's not here for your money. All he wants to do is pour out undeserved favor, goodness in your life. So that's not what that means. What it does mean is that God is not pumped about obligatory giving, like a chore that you just kind of trudge through and get over with. God wants us to take joy in giving, to worship through giving, and to find the blessing that comes in generosity. Okay. So I hope that you'll come back next week. <laughs> Listen, as your pastor, as your pastor, some of you brand new with us, you may not know this, but some of you who have been here for a little while and you've been here even as I've served you as your pastor for the last couple of years and I intend to, uh, you know, for as long as God would let me do that, um, I encourage you to do a lot of things, don't I? To grow in Christ-likeness. I encourage you to read your Bible. I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to exercise patience. I encourage you to love your spouse well. We just talked about making great life choices for the kingdom of God. This is just one more thing. It's one more thing. I'm encouraging you to give, make giving a regular part of your worship because God exhorts us to do so in his word and it's for his glory and our good. So my invitation to you today is to meet the need, to respond to the call, and to establish a regular giving plan as an act of worship. Sound good? Good. Let's pray. As the band comes back up to kind of lead us in one more closing song, let's just quiet our hearts before the Lord. So God, we recognize that all that we've been entrusted is really yours. You're the owner. We're just stewards, managers of time, of experience, of skill, resources, money, all the things, relationships that you've given us. We're just managers. We seek to manage them toward your purpose and toward your goal in the world. Teach us, God, to be cheerful givers. Teach us to give as an act of worship, not to do so uh, in an obligatory manner under compulsion, God, but to do so cheerfully. And God, for those who maybe are not here yet in this spiritual journey, I just pray that uh, they would find grace in you today, that they would know that, that this, is a, this is a journey of, of making them more like Jesus, and so this is not, you know, an obligation or something that we can kind of buy your blessing or something, God, but it's a blessing for us. Because Jesus, even you said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So teach us, God, to be cheerful givers. We look forward to next week, God, even as we start the thread series to learn how uh, Jesus is the common thread that runs through that tapestry of grace that is your grand redemptive plan. Thank you for those who have um, gathered today in worship. We love you, we praise you, and we give you thanks. The people of God together said... Amen. Hey, let's stand and sing together as we close.